0: Welcome to the Embrace Podcast. I'm Andrea, and by tuning in, you'll hear both encouraging and entertaining stories of faith from my circle of friends, Christian authors, and experts in the fitness industry. For listening today, I'd like to offer one month free to my daily workout program with code EMBRACEPODCAST at embracemovement.com. That's Embrace, M-V-M-N-T dot Hey, embrace podcast. Today we have on a special guest, Emma daughter, and she is passionate about the next generation, knowing the Bible and how to study it. She writes, runs, join the journey podcast with watermark church, and is all about apologetics, which is by the way, the defense of the Christian faith. She also performs spoken word, which is actually really cool. You guys have to check it out on YouTube. If you've never seen it before, it's a lot of poems kind of rapping sometimes, and is a whole nother talent in itself. Hello, Emma.
1: Hey, it is so great to be here.
0: Welcome. I'm just, I'm really pumped to interview another podcast
1: host. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for all the kind things you said at the beginning.
0: (laughs) It's kind of fun to like hear your bio, right? Cause you're like, I did all that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Like that's me. That's what, that's what God's up to in me. It's cool.
0: Yeah. So you're out of Dallas. And so we're chatting, you guys, it's like late here. It's like 8 PM and we're, and I'm going to ask my first question to her. She doesn't know, you know, this list of facts that I want to know about her, but my first one is kind of ironic because it's about coffee. (laughs) And so, you know, you can just say whichever one of these things you're going to prefer. It's like, would you rather, so would you rather drink black coffee or latte?
1: Latte for sure. Okay. Okay. Vanilla vanilla latte is my favorite. That's my go-to. Okay.
0: Well, then I, uh, I could, I could dig that. I could, I could match your, your drink and go on a a Bible study (laughs) date with you or something. Um, do you like, uh, a long run or lifting weights more
1: long run, but I'm getting into lifting weights more so now. So I'm trying to stretch myself a little bit there. Oh,
0: cool. We have like a huge fitness community listening to this too. So they're like, you know, they're interested in that question. Um, and then Francis Chan or Sadie Robertson.
1: Oh, You know, that's so tough. Sadie is becoming a dear friend. So I got to I got to go with Sadie, but Francis was one of the first, uh, his book, crazy love. That was one of the first Christian books that I ever read.
0: Highly recommend. Yes, definitely. It's it's so good. I mean, yeah, Francis is awesome. And dogs or cats? Dogs for sure. Me too. Yeah. (laughs) Boots or sneakers? Sneakers. Okay. I kind of picked you for a a sneaker girl. Cool. Well, that's my last one. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Right. So because of her, you know, expertise, you guys, when I was writing these questions, I was like, all right, so she's talking to the next generation. So I'm thinking about even like girls that are coming up from, you know, high school and middle school, like into college and, you know, past that, you know, kind of early adulthood and careers. What Mm. can people gain from learning how to read the Bible themselves and how can it help specifically younger aged
1: um, girls and guys? Yeah, that's one of my favorite questions. So, in general, I'd say, hey, it doesn't matter who you are. Uh, Psalm one tells us, "Blessed is the man who walks not in the way of the wicked, nor sits in the seat of sinners, nor stands in the way of scoffers." I'm going to switch those two, uh, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and all that he does, he prospers. And so we get this picture in Psalm one, that the person who's rooted in God's word will flourish. And so whether you're 15 or 55, uh, we do see that, that God's word tells us, Hey, if you cling to this truth, to the scriptures, Things are going to go well for you, but that can get confusing because uh, we can also look at verses like um, Joshua 1.8, where Joshua was told that the book of the law shouldn't depart, depart from him, but that he'll have great success if he keeps God's instruction and he does have success. And sometimes that can be uh, confusing because we think, okay, if I read the Bible, my life's going to go perfectly. And then sometimes reality doesn't match up there. That. That's not what ends up happening. And we get really confused. Uh, but Jesus tells us in, in John 16, 33, uh, in this world you will face trouble or tribulation, but to take heart because he has overcome it. And so the beauty about learning to study the scriptures is that when we pluck verses out in isolation, we can actually find ourselves very confused. If I just looked at Psalm 1 or I just looked at Joshua 1.8, I might be left thinking, okay, if I read my Bible. My life's going to go well. I'm going to prosper and I'm going to have success. And then when trouble comes, we're like, oh my gosh, God's word must not be true. And really, we're just not looking at the full story. We're looking at something in isolation. It'd be like if somebody looked at my life, but they only knew me in the seventh grade. And so all they knew of was seventh grade Emma and just thought that seventh grade Emma is that's that's who she is she's awkward and lanky and has braces and it like that wouldn't be Uh, you're not
0: like that anymore you know but you were like that then I don't understand
1: thank thank goodness uh that I'm not like that anymore and that there's more to my story and the same thing's true with God's word when we learn to study it we can get a picture of the whole story and those things that can start to be confusing uh we get we get clarity, and so specifically when it comes to the young person, uh, Psalm one nineteen verses nine through eleven verses nine and eleven really uh, says, "How can a young man or young woman keep her way pure by guarding it by guarding her heart according to your word?" The psalmist says, and then in verse eleven he goes on to say, "I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you." And we get this picture of the young person seeking to navigate crazy world and the answer is i'm going to store up your word i'm going to treasure it because the answers and the the things i'm searching for are found in it Uh, and that's that's pretty cool because that verse literally says how can the young person keep their way pure to walk rightly or walk in righteousness and so um, that would be the few places i'd I'd turn to uh, to answer that question
0: Yeah, that's good. Thank you so much. You know, I love like uh, when I was listening to your video on YouTube, I liked your word um, the way that you used righteousness and the way that you mm-hmm. compared it with how God wants holiness from mm-hmm. us. Yet that is so confusing from people who maybe grew up in the church or has a, have a perception of what church is like, or what God is like. And it's negative, right? Because they think, oh, I'm never going to be good enough for God. Like he's mad at me every time I do bad things like that. But how can we, you know, kind of walk in that gospel image and, and take God's grace and, and be like, okay, I want to take this free gift and kind of run with it but then also like desire holiness, desire righteousness without it being like a taboo thing.
1: Yeah. I think when we hear righteousness, the, the stigma is like, I'm holy and (laughs) holy people wear long dresses and they pray a lot and read the King James translation of the Bible and say thou or whatever we, we get those. There's that like classic church stereotype line. And then there's the, um, the, Pharisee, the modern day Pharisee, the person who thinks that they are the most righteous. Uh, I only listen to Christian music. I have to go to church every Sunday. And if you don't do those things, you're not a good Christian and God hates you. And so when we think about how do I get my heart uh, into the right posture to understand what it looks like to pursue righteousness and pursue the righteousness of God, but also walk humbly, I think a lot of that has to do with recognizing who we are in light of who God is. And when you, when you think about God sent his son to die for us, mm. uh, we didn't do anything to fix the problem. Like God's son coming and dying and rising from the grave is what fixed our brokenness so that we can have what you, you mentioned that I, I do apologetics that we can have what theologians call imputed righteousness. It's the righteousness of God put on us so that when God looks at you, if you're a believer in Christ, he doesn't see all the times you forgot to open your Bible or chose not to listen to Christian music or chose to sleep in and go to church. He just sees his daughter who he loves and he isn't holding his, holding your Bible over your head. Like wanting to bang you in the back of the head. He is saying, Oh, that's my kid. Like, I love them. You said, you've got a, a two-year-old son.
0: Uh, 14 months. Yeah. I mean, 14 months.
1: I mean, even younger. It's like, you've got, you've got a baby an infant and, and you and your husband look at him and you're like, man, you, you love him, even though he might, or maybe not anymore, but he did wake up in the night and cry or have a diaper blowout. out.
0: Find this, the stove, um, paint the bathroom and pee today. Like he's all all of of
1: activities, all of that stuff. You still, you still love him. Mm -hmm. And your son will still cry and want his mom and dad. Like he'll want you to feed them. He'll want you to change his diaper or to spend time with him. And the same is true of us. um, But when we lose sight of who God is, we don't realize that those longings in our heart uh, for a close relationship with him are what they are. So we might think, oh, I'm feeling really lonely. I need to um, spend more time with my friends, or I'm feeling really anxious and stressed out. I need to take a bath. And those aren't bad things. Like those are, those are good. I love baths and I love hanging out with my friends. That's good. But when I remember who God is, that he loves me, that he sent his son to die for me, that he wants a relationship with me, then my whole posture changes because opening up my Bible isn't this religious task I have to do. It's an opportunity to, for me to meet with the best friend I could ever have in those moments where I feel lonely or feel stressed out or or whatever it is.
0: That's so good. Yes. God being your best friend. Yes. (laughs) It's, it's wild how when we don't spend time with God, we don't maybe miss it or think about it as much, but when we spend time with God a lot, we will crave it. It's it's natural. It's like, oh man, like I can't wait to get in the word tomorrow because yesterday it was so great. And it reminds me of, you know, when we have like a fun experience with our friends or I can't wait for next week and we're going to go out together or even when you're like, cooking and you make something awesome. It's like, I'm going to find another recipe and do it again. Like it's going to be, it's going to be so much better because you just want the, the passion to continue. You want the momentum to keep going. Mm -hmm. And then when you spend time with God, it's like, the more you do it, the more you want to spend time with him. And that that's, that's, that's should be encouraging to people that haven't opened their word or have never read the Bible before. So plenty of people like that, maybe listening in that, you know, it all just takes like that attitude of you got to start somewhere.
1: You got to start. Start simply, simply start. My friend JP says, you've got to have a time, a place and a plan. So if you've never opened God's word before, and you want to be set up to succeed in, in doing that, uh, you've got to have a time. So when in your day, are you going to read your Bible? Is that in the morning? Is that on your lunch break before you go to bed? And then a place where are you going to sit down and do it? So set your, your Bible there, your journal there, make it ready. Uh, And then a plan. What are you going to read? When I open God's word, I'm not going to open my Bible and let it flip to a random spot and pick, okay, here's today's scripture, but maybe I'm going to read through the book of John and go one chapter a day and just start, start with that. I'm going to read one chapter, John one next day, John two, and go from there. Because when you give yourself that structure, you're setting yourself, you're setting yourself up to succeed, which is, a lot more fun than, I mean, it's just like with working out, like when you go to the gym and you have a plan, it goes so much better than when you're like, okay, I guess I'll get on the elliptical for five minutes and then do something else. It doesn't work. Yeah, you're doesn't just like work. making
0: it up. Yeah. yeah like, and then exactly. you're like, was that enough? Was that hard enough? Should I have you're always doubting yourself. And yeah. I, I actually used to say that because I was an athlete before I started this podcast, before I became a mom, like whatever, I've been an athlete my whole life. But, um, I was that person with that I, when I went to the gym, I had a plan. So like mm. when people were like, Hey, Andrea, like, what's up? I'm like, Oh, I, I'm, you know, I'm getting ready to start my programming and I would be like getting on my shoes and stuff. And like, Right. When I was ready, I was starting because I knew what I was going to do. Whereas there would always people be people that would come into, you know, the training facility and they just be like, yeah, like, that sounds good. Like I'll join you. And I looked for those people. Cause I wanted people to join me in my workout. Cause I hated working out alone, but I was like, how do they do this? They don't know who's going to be there. They don't know who's going to ask them to train. They don't know what's going to sound good. What if like, they just waste their time. But I was like that with my faith. And so I was that person that I, you know, didn't understand, but that would just be like, Oh, like this person's reading this book online. Like I'll try to, you know, download this book and listen to an audible audible on a run today. Maybe if I have time, you know, and I, and I, or I would go to church and I would hear a recommendation. I'd write it down and think, okay, well. Um, you know, that was an interesting verse. Maybe I'll look that up later. And that was, that would be my guidance for maybe spending time with God. And it just wasn't enough. And so, you know, for me, it was discipleship that brought me into that next season of like studying. And, you know, for you, you're great at memorizing scripture. For me, it was more <laughs> like, Paraphrase. We're gonna teach Andrea to paraphrase, but like I totally love it. And you know, it's a gift, honestly, and I'm sure a skill that you've worked at. But um, so you know, number two, what makes you so passionate about studying it for yourself? Like, how has your heart been changed by reading scriptures? What were you like before? And um tell us a little bit like what you're like now.
1: Yeah. I grew up in the church. Parents were believers grew up knowing that I should read my Bible, that's what Christians do. Uh, But part, I grew up moving around a ton. And so the pro of that was that um, my parents always prioritized finding a new local church to plug into. So I saw that model, the importance of church. Uh, But the con was I began to struggle in school, especially as I got toward middle school, closer to high school. And for me, reading the Bible felt like homework. It felt like um, more of what I hated and was, was bad at. I was struggling in school. And uh, as I, As I went through school, I began to think, oh, good Christian girls, they stay out of trouble, and the easiest way to get in trouble is to make bad grades, and there's a a simple solution. I'll just cheat in school. If I cheat, then nobody will know that I'm struggling, and I'll look like I have my life together. I'll look like a quote-unquote Christian, but uh, the irony there is that I was using sin to try to make myself be a better Christian, uh, which it's just all sorts of wrong. It's not, that's not, I was missing it completely. And the summer before high school, I went to this camp where I saw these college kids who were volunteering as group leaders who loved reading their Bibles and they weren't weird. Like they were cool. Like I was like, when I grew up, I want to be like these college kids. Um, But they also would talk about their sin, not in a way that was prideful. Like I used to be so crazy or in a way that showed they were ashamed of it, but just a very matter of fact, like this is who I used to be. And now this is what God has done in my life. And I looked at their lives and I thought, man, I'm missing that freedom. Like I don't, I don't have that in my life. And so that was the moment when I was in my trajectory following Jesus began to shift. And and I knew the gospel. I believed Jesus died on the cross and rose again. I I knew I was a sinner, but I was misunderstanding what it looked like to walk with jesus to relate with his word and so i i looked at uh, their lives and what i wanted to learn from them and come back with to uh, when i to back back to my school when i went back to high school and there were two things number one was i wasn't gonna cheat so if that meant i failed a class i failed a class which i did sophomore year algebra two kicked my butt uh but i still got into college by god's grace and like it all worked out. Uh, and I came back and I said, hey, I want to follow Jesus. And I, I want to get into the word regularly. I'm going to commit to doing that. And so I just began to pray. God, would you give me a hunger for your word? At, at like 13 years old, I was praying. God, wow. would you give me a hunger for your word? Help me to want to read it. And I didn't know that that was abnormal or weird. Like I just thought at that point, I just thought this is what uh, church kids should already be doing. And I'm behind. I, I was not, in hindsight, I now see that I think that was the Lord uniquely placing his hand on my life that I would start seeking to develop these Bible study skills at such a young age. But you fast forward the clock. Um, I go to college. I realize the Lord's calling me to ministry. And I find myself working in college ministry right out of college, which is kind of funny because I had just graduated. And now I'm working with essentially my peers, Seeking to lead them and help them grow in their faith. Uh, But that's where God had me. And I found myself about a year into my first job post grad with uh, two college students in my office, two girls. They'd grown up a lot like me in the church, done the summer camp thing, all of that. But they really didn't know how to study their Bibles. And I was very perplexed by this. Like, how could these two girls who grew up in church their whole life uh, not? get it. And I mean they were like, Emma, could you teach us the whole Bible? And I at that point, I'd never done that before. And I was like, "What? Like teach you the whole Bible? What do you mean by that?" And I just start asking questions and it it started to become very clear that they'd almost gotten to this point where they were embarrassed to ask for help because they knew that having been in the church for so long, they felt as though, "Hey, I should know this stuff. Like I should know why the Old Testament's there and who Paul is and all of these different pieces, but they were realizing they didn't, and they'd found a safe place to ask those questions. And that's when the Lord really started to put these pieces together of, hey, you've been praying this prayer and look at all of these random spots where God had equipped me through the church I grew up in and different mentors and leaders in my life to understand his word and how to teach others to understand. So that's where the passion really came from. Uh, Out of that That season, I ended up pausing my time working in vocational ministry and went to a 10-month discipleship program called the Watermark Institute at the church I now work at, Watermark in Dallas. Uh, But it has a partnership with either you can get your credits through like DTS or Southern Seminary. And so I, I took a break from ministry to get 10 months of intensive seminary training And also learn about how Watermark does ministry kind of on on the side. And so I just became a student. And so I went from trying to sit in my office and trying. I had a chalkboard, not a whiteboard, a chalkboard in my office. And I'm trying to draw them like Adam and Eve. Then you get more people. Eventually you get Noah. And I'm trying to draw out. Um, genealogies for these poor college girls they're probably like in hindsight I'm like I don't know why that's where I decided to start with them but uh, I got the training and then the Lord started to really refine uh, some some areas in my character that had been uh, inappropriate inappropriately bolstered so some pride I took in looking to the right and to the left at my peers and seeing how much I knew versus how much I thought they knew and and there was sin in my heart in that. And so then my study of God's word became almost, um, purifying or, or sanctifying revealing, uh, because it was also, as I was growing more knowledgeable, it was also convicting because I was beginning to see my sin, uh, more clearly, which is healthy because that's, what's supposed to happen. Like as we study God's word, uh, we see God more clearly, and therefore we see how, how short we fall of his standard. And so that season of studying was so great, uh, but it was also really hard because it was sanctifying, which led me ultimately to where I am now, which is trying to walk humbly as I seek to still grow in knowledge, yes, um, but fall more in love with the God of the Bible than just knowing things about the Bible. Uh, would be the tension that I, I constantly have to walk in and be mindful of, but I'd say in the recent, um, I don't know, six months to a year, I've really seen uh, just a sweet encouragement from the Lord in ground being taken in that area, and it's crazy because I used to be the kid who hated studying. Like I, It was homework, so it was a chore, but now the Lord has totally transformed my heart in it. And I think because I started so resistant to Bible study, it's just even, even a better uh, reminder that it's only by the the hand of God in my life that I now enjoy studying it and and doing this podcast with you. Like that's the work of God. having totally changed my heart and attitude toward it entirely.
0: Amen. That's awesome. No, I love that. It's It's fun. It's good. Yeah. Seeing the change. We're always looking for the change. And I, I think that's so important to see that God is changing our hearts, that he's moving in us and that, um, he's inviting us in a more relationship okay. with him, a closer, deeper relationship with him. And we have, we do have, you know, free will. And a lot of times okay. we can choose to have seasons where there's, you know, maybe some darkness or some loneliness or kind of just choosing other things other than God. And and it's sad because I look at my life and I think of the times when I was growing the most and I would call those like growth spurts, you know, and, Mm. and and even I get confused by my own faith journey because it's not like in a straight line, you know, like there's times where I was doing great and times where I wasn't. Um, But then times where like, I see the growth spurt and I'm like, wow, God, you were really present in my life. Like there was one time when I was 17, um, when I was like getting confirmed, um, growing up and, uh, you know, really inspired like you by older leaders and yeah. them inviting me into that, that place of telling testimony and being able to identify what God has actually done in my life. Mm. Um, and then like when I was probably 23 and I was like, okay, am I going to keep going to church like on my own or like, you know, I'm, I'm out of college now and I, I can make whatever choice I want and what kind of church am I going to go to? And, um, how is that really going to affect me? And maybe even like, I was boy crazy, but like who I'm going to marry and stuff like that thinking about how do I want to raise my kid? What kind of, what kind of person I want to meet, you know, that kind of question. Um, and then when I was like 27 and I got discipled, um, and then, you know, for me moving uh, around and traveling and kind of being like cross country, kind of trusting in God with those, mm-hmm. those next seasons, that's kind of a scary thing. And when it's just you yeah. and God, it's kind of like, yeah, you're like my road dog. Like we're in the front seat and like, let's go. Like it's, it's kind of a cool thing, but um, I, you know, I would say those were, those were growth spurts, and everybody can look for those, you know, but then we see the sanctifying process and we go but Lord was I saved then? And like, I'm like, okay, but I'm more equipped now. My words are more equipped. I've read more. I've spent more time with God. Of course I'm going to look different than what I looked like before. Mm-hmm. I usually just say that I was a beginning Christian. Most of my life, I was a baby Christian, for yeah. like way too long. And so, you know, I do believe that that was kind of a part spiritually of me, but it's hard to like, even when you hear other people's testimonies and how they describe their faith walk to go, all right, God, like I care about, about the formation of my faith. And I love talking about it. So like, like, can you provide me a little clarity here? You know, like, I'm going to ask him about it right when I get to heaven. He's going to say, Andrea it does not matter anymore. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. He's like, you're with me. You're my girl. Come on.
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, no, I love that. Thanks for sharing, you know, sharing your story. You're welcome. So I'm thinking about, you know, anyone that's listening that, um, you know, needs some encouragement And maybe he's going through a really hard time Mm -hmm. and maybe they're feeling so isolated. And so maybe they're going through a phase of, I want to use the hot topic word, just because, um, you know, that maybe they're kind of breaking down their faith, you know, like maybe they're going back and, and using other sources outside of God's word to, you know, go back and just kind of destroy it. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, deconstruction of the faith is, is something that's really popular now, but let's just think about like those people that are like on the edge and they're just like, man, like, I feel like really caught in the middle, but I don't really feel pulled to read the Bible. You know um, what would you say about trusting God in really, really hard times and how they can get through?
1: Yeah. That's such a great question. Uh, even, even as you, you mentioned the deconstruction of the faith, I was at this, uh, lunch this past week and, uh, this guy who was teaching, he said, we make the mistake of, of thinking, Christianity, thinking about Christianity backwards. And, he, and what he meant by that was, uh, historically, when we talk to somebody about God's character and why he's worth trusting, we say, the Bible says this, and then there's a movement called the church, and we all believe uh, in this one event, that Jesus came, came to the earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for our sins. And rose again so that by believing, we might find life. And he said, my challenge to the church today, as people are seeking and investigating and doubting, which is so real, like that is a real reality for, I would imagine, 75% of the people listening. uh, He said, we got to think about it backwards. Event, movement, then we get the scriptures, the Bible. And so when you start with the event, it's like, hey, how do I know that God really is good when everything in my reality is the opposite of good. And, and that there's been seasons in my life where I've been there. Like, it just feels like everything is falling apart. And you think back to the first uh, event that was a catalyst for our brokenness and I'd be in the garden, Adam and Eve, God gives us free will. And I think the question we ask is why would God put that tree there? Like if God knew that Adam and Eve's disobedience would lead to sin and brokenness for the world, why would he ever, why wouldn't he have just removed the tree from the garden? And I think as as people wrestle and as I've, I've wrestled even, and we use that deconstruction word, I'm doing air quotes with my hands, but sure. as, as we try to unpack what is it I actually believe, that can be a really sticky point. If God is good and he knows all things, why would he put the tree in the garden? And the answer is rather than being troubling, it's comforting because God's loving. And so it's helpful to frame this up in the context of uh, say an arranged marriage. So in an arranged marriage, I'm single. Let's say I was uh, getting married tomorrow to a man I'd never met and nobody would expect me to love him. I I would be, let's say my parents had picked him for me. I wouldn't instantly love him. It would, it would just be a Um, legally binding agreement, our marriage. And uh, God, he looks at, he looks at people and he's like, no, I want you to love me. Like, I don't want to force you into a a relationship with me. I want it to be a choice. And so by putting the tree there, God says, Hey, I, I love my kids so much, uh, but I want this thing to be real, this relationship with them. I want it to be real. And so the tree's presence or the opportunity for evil and brokenness, it's actually a good thing uh, because it teaches us something about God's heart that he's, that he's loving and that he's not forceful. But then the question becomes, okay, well, Adam, Adam and Eve, they eat the fruit. That's Genesis three, six Santa enters the picture. Why hasn't God done anything about it? Like now here we are hundreds and hundreds of years later, why? why hasn't God done anything? Why do parents get cancer? Why do people die of COVID? Why do people cheat on their spouses? Like all of those questions, why hasn't God done anything? And the answer on one hand is that he already has on the cross. He, Jesus died to free us from the consequences of our sin. But if if I'm sitting in a situation where I'm like, man, yeah, Jesus died for me, but that doesn't change the fact that I have cancer or that my mom is sick or that my spouse just lost his job, or I just lost my job. Uh, the good news in that that God already has done something about the evil in this world through Jesus on the cross is that we can look to him as our hope. So Hebrews four fifteen, we don't have a high priest, meaning Jesus. We don't have a God who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every respect yet without sin. So Jesus, our our savior, he looks at us and he isn't shaking his finger. Like, Oh gosh, you can't you like, trust me more. Can't you trust me more when things are hard? He looks at his kids who are struggling and he says, man, I, I get it. Like he sympathizes with us because he knows what it's like to do life on this earth. Uh, and he loves us and he's not holding all of our doubts and wrestles and questions against us. He's sitting there with us. And then I think the the question for the hurting heart then becomes, okay, well, why me? Like, why is this the hard thing God's having me walk through? Like, why did, I thought I was about to get engaged. Why did why did he break up with me now? Like, why is this God's story for me? And that's, that's my personal story a year ago. Like that was the question I was asking. Um, and that's hard because as people, I can't give any, nobody could give me an answer and I can't give anyone listening and answer for whatever their hard thing is right now but I know that we can trust God's heart so Isaiah 55 9 says for as the heavens are higher than the earth so are his ways higher than ours and his thoughts higher than our thoughts and that can be comforting and also very frustrating because it can be frustrating because it's not a clear answer and we can read God works all things for good and that his plans aren't, aren't for harm, but he's got good plans for us. And we look around at our lives and we wonder, but my life doesn't feel good. Like it doesn't, if God's good, why is this, why is this so hard? And there's kind of a threefold reality um, when it comes to the why. Sometimes we just don't know the why because it's a, a Job situation and we don't, we don't know what God's up to, but we know that, that he's good, that he's got a plan Sometimes it's a uh, sanctification. God's strengthening us, helping us helping develop our character uh, through the circumstance. And to that person I'd point them to the first half of Romans 5 and and looking at the kind of hope and character the Lord develops in troubles. Other times it is um, for comfort. In second Corinthians 1, Paul talks about his affliction but says but then goes on to say that it's so that he might comfort, others in any affliction. So I don't have to have walked through what it looks like to um, have your parents get divorced, for example, to be able to sit with someone in that hurt. And so God uses our our unique troubles, whatever you might personally be facing to then allow you um, to share in the sufferings of someone else. It doesn't have to be exactly the same. And that's Second Corinthians 1. Uh, But then lastly, it can also be that we We just see God's glory more clearly. So if you look at 2 Corinthians 11, uh, Paul gives, I can actually read some of it, but it's it's long, so I won't read all of it. Paul gives this list, Paul the Apostle, of all of these horrible things that he went through. So uh, he says five times he received 40 lashes, less than one. He was beaten with rods, he was stoned. Three times he was shipwrecked, night and a day adrift at sea, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from his own people, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, and toil and hardship, many sleepless nights, and hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure, all of these things. Uh, But then he goes on to say, who is weak and I am not weak, who is made to fall and I am not indignant. If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. And his, his point there is he goes on to say that in our weakness, we see how strong God is and there's a dependence that's developed. There's a, a clarifying of perspective. We're not in control. And a lot of times in these circumstances, we're grasping for control, uh, which, which then I think leads us to the last question that we're, the person who's struggling is asking is when will this get better? Like when will my unique sufferings end and go away? And the encouragement for any believer is Revelation 21, 4, which says he'll wipe away every tear from our eyes. Death will be no more. Neither will there be crying or pain or tears anymore for the form of things will pass away. And so if you're a believer in Christ, you've got hope that one day when you're with Jesus, whether he comes back or we go home to be with him, things will get better and we can cling to that. Doesn't make it any easier but it gives us some perspective. We've got something to look forward to. And in the meantime, there's more time for other people to choose him. So why doesn't he just come back now? Well, he cares about his kids. It goes back to that garden. Why was the tree there? Like he wants us to choose him and we can cling to his heart. Um, Second Peter 3, 9 says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises as some count slowness, but he's patient toward all not wishing for any to perish, but all to come to repentance. And we have, when we have that perspective, it frames it all up because even though we're presently suffering and struggling, we can see God's delay in coming reveals his heart that he wants us to choose him. Doesn't make it easier. Doesn't, it's not a quick fix. It's not a band aid, but it's an anchoring. I think soul settling perspective that when I really cling to that doesn't mean I don't cry it doesn't mean i don't get angry or frustrated but then it means i can really see god's heart that even in the midst of a lot of darkness and chaos he's good and he loves his kids and he he doesn't let bad stuff happen by accident like he's got a plan
0: he's got a plan i love it oh my gosh thank you so much for that you're so welcome you're so welcome that's gonna encourage someone and hopefully many people um yeah it's so good you guys um Finding a local church can be one of the most intimidating things in the whole world. I know that Pete and I, we have not struggled with it, but like even as believers and people that have been members at churches and leaders at churches, it's just like you show up, you know, no one. And you're like, these people like me or, or no, yeah. like it is a, it's a weird thing. But if you're, if you're going through a season like this, I know the temptation can be, Isolation or Mm -hmm. hanging out with only you know secular friends that maybe don't share your beliefs so can help you drift, but um, or maybe just getting on church that's uh like online, you know, catching a YouTube service or something like that. But I encourage you guys, like people like Emma, not just like her, because she's very unique, snowflake, (laughs) but like people like Emma that want to disciple and mentor and pour into to people. Um, they're at your local church, they're there, they're waiting. And and the people that are coming that are sh- just showing up, even with nothing, like, mm-hmm. "Hey, like, I want to grow, but I don't even know what to do," or like, "Hey, I want to grow, and I don't know where that passion's coming from, but like, I just keep coming to church." Like they're there, um, and 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 it would be like an answer to someone like Emma's prayer if like someone like you showed up that was yeah. like hungry and and wanted to to spend time. You know, in this kind of training. So, you know, I just encourage you guys to find a a safe place like that. Um, You can always try like different places that are close to you. You're going to meet different people. There might be one that God speaks to you more about. And it's like you just want to keep going back, whether it's the worship music or just maybe a couple of friends you met there. But um, yeah, I really, I really challenge you guys to taking that step of faith because people together. Is gonna make any season you're going through so much better. And you know, for me, like even just being postpartum last year during a pandemic, going through pregnancy alone, yeah. most of my friends in my real life only saw me in four-inch pictures online. Can you imagine? So, like yeah. they only knew that I gave birth because I posted it. They never knew what it was like spending time with me when I was pregnant and hurting and oh my gosh, this is crazy. You guys, I can't even sit in the car. You know, you know what I mean. But um, but I actually had to make myself once pandemic got better and and churches were open here in New York city. Um, And I was postpartum. I had to make myself go to church. And I know that sounds like controversial to like, maybe all my other episodes where I'm like, y'all need to find a local church. but like, I, I really had to get past that uncomfortable or sorry, comfortable season of kind of doing things on my own and going, I know I need someone here because this is too hard for me to bear these burdens on my own. And I know I have Christ. I know I have God. I know I have my faith and I have my Bible. So like, I do have everything I need, but like, this is going to help me so much more. And like, I've been able to like, you know, build relationships and enjoy people and even be inconvenienced by people. I must say that Mm -hmm. to the benefit of like my, my own good and like Mm -hmm. my own like growing. And so, you know, you guys, I hope that just listening to Emma was like really encouraging, but also just like helps you take that step in developing a really strong community around you.
1: Yeah. That's so good. I, I think about the person who's listening, who says, uh, I've been hurt by the church. So it's just me and Jesus. And I think that's so common. Uh, and, and my friend JP, who I mentioned earlier, he says, you haven't been hurt by the church. You've been hurt by people who are a part of a church, maybe multiple people. Um, because the church as a whole is believers today. Uh, And and then we think of church in the context of the local church and that community. And so if, if somebody's listening to this and you're thinking rolling your eyes, thinking like, man, I've been hurt one. I'm sorry. Like, I, I hate that. That's that's a real reality, Um, but don't, my my encouragement to that person would be don't let that uh, pain stop you from walking in God's design for freedom because truly, Uh, One of the biggest provisions that we have from him is not only his word, but his people. And uh, I'm confident wherever you live, if you're in America, at least there's probably a church within five miles of your house uh, that would love to have you and and give it a second chance or third chance or a fourth chance or whatever chance you're on.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Worth it. Yeah, totally worth it. No, I love it. Emma, we've had so much fun just like chatting and I'm just like really glad that um we got a hold of each other and got yes, on here. it worked um, out. Can, yes, it did work out. So how can people get a hold of you? How could they follow your plans and um yes. just leave us with any links or projects that you're working okay.
1: on? Okay. The easiest way to connect with me is through Instagram underscore emma daughter, which is my last name. D O T T E R. It's very confusing. Uh, But on Instagram, that's where you can find me, and my Daughter. And uh, if you're looking for a Bible reading plan, I do one through my my church. Join the Journey is the name of the ministry. And jointhejourney.com is the place to go. You'll find the link to the podcast, daily devos, discussion questions with each day's reading. And it's just a chapter a day, Monday through Friday. Reality is uh, we can fall behind and need the weekends to catch up. Our review. Or get ahead maybe you got a crazy week coming up and so we do that monday through friday uh, to give you a realistic starting place if you you don't have a plan join the journey.com
0: oh thank you so much
1: you're so welcome thanks for having me back to you soon
0: we are a women's program that helps build a daily routine around bible study prayer and fun fitness workouts get a month free with code embrace podcast